earlier that it's rumored that there will be an Apple announcement for the iPhone 12 and allegedly the iPhone 12 only on October nope, well, wait, 13th. Wait, 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 don't tell them. Oh. I'll say don't tell them. Oh, okay. You got to be a member of Patreon Oops. in order to get this exclusive content. Of course, you can get it on the internet by just surfing. <laughs> Googling it. <laughs> but if you want to hear us talk about you want to hear us talk about it, you got to become a Patreon, and then you get all the access to the exclusive stuff that we already talked about. That you good catch. So I don't leak any <laughs> privileged information. So yes, <laughs> thank you for catching that. But you can just, but you can just Google and find out. Yeah, it's so. it's widely <laughs> it's widely available, but you won't get our brilliant insights um, exactly. as as exactly. as to that uh, content. You're listening to the Snob OS podcast the podcast for Apple snobs. Hey, this is Nika Monfort, AKA Tech Savvy Diva. Yo, this is Terrence Gaines, AKA Brother Tech. And you're listening and, and or watching the Snob OS show where we talk all things Apple and then some. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 93, inching closer and closer to that magical 100 number. So um, before we uh, get into the show, I wanna take a moment to thank um, all of our Patreons for their monthly support. We actually had uh, one of our Patreons join us on the live pre-show. Um, and we talked about a couple things there. So if you want to get in on some of the exclusive content, you can become a Patreon at www.patreon.com slash snobos. And for as little as $5 a month, you will get access to the live taping of our show, um, the access to the pre-show, as well as access to our Discord chat where you can ask us questions, get some feedback from us if you have something you want to talk about and also give us some ideas for show topics. So definitely um, join us on Patreon. We'd appreciate it. It allows us to bring you all of this extra content now that you can uh, watch us the show on YouTube, this crystal clear audio and crystal clear video. So thank you very much and join us on Patreon. We definitely appreciate it. Definitely appreciate it. All right, so let's go ahead and hop into the show. Let's start with the lowdown where we talk all things Apple. All right, so the first thing on the docket, um, as everybody knows, um, we had the big Apple announcement last week. So products have started to ship, um, watches, uh, iPads, uh, all that good stuff. So the first thing we have up on the docket is um, regarding the solo loop of the iPhone SE. Um, I, I mean, not iPhone, Apple Watch. Uh, Apple Watch, yeah. Apple Watch right. SE. Um, so uh, Terrence, you want to talk about what's going on with the solo band issues? Right. So an uh, Apple's announcement was that last week they announced yep. uh, two new bands, a solo loop that's more of a rubber band, but it's just one uh, continuous loop. There's no clasp. There's no hooks. There's no connections to put on your wrist. Uh, 
and they have a braided loop that does the same thing. It's made of some sort of braided yarn to where, again, it's just one loop. You just flex it on your arm, you put it on, you're good to go. Well, at the time of ordering them, it's not like a traditional uh, sport band like I have to where it's just like small, medium, and large. There's like five or six sizes with the solo loop to where you actually have to print out a piece of paper, cut out a you know a replica of the solo loop band to find out which size fits you. If you ordered that braided solo loop with an iPhone Series 6 or an iPhone SE and it was the wrong size, it was too small, too big, whatever the case may be, and you want to return the solo loop, you actually have to return the whole watch according to Mac rumors because when you order the Apple Watch with a band nowadays, brand new, it comes in the packaging with the watch. It's not a separate package. It's one package. So according to lim- being limited supplies of the Apple Watch Series 6, you actually have to return the whole watch. And if you return the whole watch and they do have limited supply, then you may be taking an L because you may not be able to get your Apple Watch until later just because you bought the braided loop with the Apple Watch Series 6 or the SE. So I'll put that up there to where if you are buying an Apple Watch and you do want to get that braided loop, I would suggest you either one, double and triple check. You know, they say measure measure twice, cut once. Yep. You know, do that extra special measuring to make sure you get the right braided loop. Or probably would be the sensible, more sensible thing to do is, which is what I did because I didn't feel, I was in a hurry to buy the watch mm-hmm. to get an early ship date. So I didn't feel like time printing out and cutting and sizing. I just bought a regular sport band that I know is going to fit. And then I'm going to go into the Apple store later try them out in the store, pick out the one you want. So heads up to all those people who are considering buying an Apple Watch. If you're getting the braided loop, don't buy it with the watch. Buy it separately, buy the watch separately, and then go into the store. Depending on where you are, because of COVID, right? Uh, Depending on where you are, if the Apple store is open, set an appointment, go in, try them out, buy it there. Yeah, and while you were talking, I did show the article where Um, the braided loop that you were talking about, as well as the um, Twitter post from uh, Eli Hodap um, showing, you know, the printout and him trying to to measure it. So so, yeah, I think that's probably a really good idea to to buy it separately so that you don't have to return the whole thing and then, you know, just be out of your brand new device. You were so excited to to actually get and play with. All right. Yeah, because. Because like I said, I was in a hurry. I was like, I ain't doing all that. So mm-hmm. I know there's some people who probably went through that process, going to find out now they got to take it back. Right. <laughs> all right. So the next story we have is talking about um, Gmail and iPhone users. So it looks like now um, iPhone users can get, um, can can set their Gmail as their default email client. So um, this article from Mashable... Just trying to get it to load. Um, yeah, while you get it to load, yeah, I'll just kind of give you a rundown. Okay. So basically, uh, when you click on an email link in a website or you click on a address, an email address on a, on a website or you click on a website link, traditionally those open up. You open up a website link in Safari. And if you click on an email address on a website or in a contact list, 
uh, on your phone, it'll open up the native mail app. Well, since iOS 14, wait, well, even before that, back at WWDC, they announced that you will, coming soon, be able to set other third-party apps as the default to where if you click on a link on a website, instead of it opening up Safari, it'll possibly open up Chrome. Well, fast forward to right now, uh, Gmail finally, um, or let me say it in reverse, Apple finally let people use Gmail as the default client. So anytime you click on an email address, email address on a website or in a contacts link, it'll automatically open up Gmail versus the native mail app. So I just want to put that out there because I know there are a lot of people who still use Gmail um, on their iPhone. So cool. I'll wait till Nika is <laughs> clicking, <laughs> clicking, clack typing. <laughs> yes, I am responding to someone. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I want to say <laughs> <laughs> and there's really nothing I, I opened the article there's really nothing in the article that uh, is, that's all. is, is going to help but, but yeah because there are a lot of people who use Gmail as their primary I don't um, I probably have like three different Gmail accounts and I just use the regular app to go to it because I prefer my, my native um, email app all right all right so next, um, we have some iPhone uh, 12 rumors. Um, yeah. So I, I guess got, we I have, a, we have, say it again. I said I got the wrong link in the oh, show okay. notes. Right. So I'll, yes. I'll let you fix yes. that. But we have, um, yeah. now that the last release, um, we, we've already had an event. So of course, now that the the watch and the iPad and, you know, all of those things are, are announced. Of course, the next batch of rumors roll right on in because we didn't get everything at the September 15th event. So now we have more rumors about the iPhone 12, about a new iPad Pro, um, AirPod Studio. So we can just roll into some of the rumors that we have um, coming out for um, for iPad, I mean for for the for the next event. So the first thing we have up is um, apparently the rumor is that um, by the end of the year there is going to be a new iPad Pro model, um, and apparently this new iPad Pro will have um, a new display technology that has not been seen in any of the other Apple products. So um, allegedly this refresh would have a mini LED display um, and Apple plans on using this mini LED, um, LED um, screen on as many as six iPads and MacBook models by the end of 2021. So it sounds like it will start with the iPad Pro at the end of the year and then eventually roll out to the remaining um, devices. So, um, it, it looks like, um, the, it's a little bit of background on, hold on, I can share it. I forgot we have that capability. Um, so, so again, um, as I was saying, the, the expectation is for the iPad pro to start with this new, um, display at the end of this year, and then it'll roll out to the remaining, um, devices by the end of 2021. Um, so on the previous models, it was the OLED panels, 
Um, and they're saying that these mini LED screens have a couple different advantages over the LCD screens and the OLED screens. And um, apparently this is interesting. It has up to 10,000 tiny LEDs that can support darker blacks and brighter brights than their competitors. So apparently by having all these tiny, tiny mini LED um, LEDs, that's supposed to make the screen brighter and better than, than what we currently have um, out there now. So we'll see if this comes true. I don't know. Um, I hadn't heard anything prior to this about a new display coming out, not just for iPad Pro, but uh, for all, um, uh, for a batch of Apple devices, uh, MacBook Pros and other iPads. Had you heard anything to that effect? Well, no, but it makes sense that the sense that they, you know, me speculating that they've come out with this iPad Air, which is close to, if not the same as the current generation iPad Pro in the size, in the looks, in the features. So since they have put out a iPad Air that is comparable, quote unquote, to the current generation iPad Pros, it makes sense that they would then, after that, launch a new generation iPad Pro that has this one big thing that sets it apart, that clearly differentiates it from the current versions of the iPad Pro and this new iPad Air that they just announced. So it makes sense. Yeah, and I think we talked about that um, not only on our show, but on DTNS as well, that there has to be something that differentiates, you know, the current iPad Pro, the new iPad Air, and what comes down the line because the iPad Air, the new iPad Air, and the current iPad Pro are, are pretty compatible. So... It sounds like, I, I think one of the things that we said that it was a possibility that they would phase out the smaller iPad Pro in favor of the iPad Air and only offer the iPad Pro in the, what is it, 12.9 inch 12 screen? Yeah, so right. I mean, it could be that, or of course we were speculating, or it could be just a new screen altogether um, going forward for Apple devices starting with the iPad Pro at the end of this year. So that's rumor number one. Rumor number two relates to AirPod Studio. So um, I know that there's been a lot of conversation around um, some new over the ear um, AirPod headphones. We have the current generation of AirPods, then we have the AirPod Pro. So the next iteration is apparently AirPod Studio. Of course, we don't have anything confirmed, but that is the um, the latest uh, device that could be in, in Apple's bag and um, um, along with uh, AirTags, which I don't know if that could come out when we talk, uh, when we get the announcement for the new um, iPad. I mean, the new um, iPhone 12. So um, from uh, this article on CNET via uh, MSN News, um, of course, this is just an image of what they're thinking the the AirPods um, look like. And they're saying that there's a new trick um, that could be coming with these, um, with these, uh, with the AirPod Studio. Um, and it sounds like in addition to noise cancellation 
and uh, a transparency mode. Um, it sounds like this over-the-ear um, version of, of headphones is going to be in direct competition, it looks like, with Beats, even though Apple owns Beats, um, which is is very, is very interesting um, that it will be in direct competition with um, uh, uh, the current product. But apparently in iOS 14, there is a, a mystery headphone that appears. I haven't seen it. Um, I haven't really, to be honest, I haven't really looked either, but there is some indication in iOS 14 um, that there's um, a new icon that people are assuming is related to the new over-the-ear um, headphones coming out from Apple. So people are really trying to glean, you know, little breadcrumbs from from the current uh, I, uh, iOS to to try and piece together what's what's coming for the for the possible AirPod Pros. Right, and some of the other features that they mentioned that the AirPod Studios may have is you won't have to decide or look on the air the headphones to find out which side is left or right. They'll be able to detect, you know, which side you put it on and play the sound accordingly. Um, they'll have, you know, same detection as the AirPods Pro to where when I take one out of my ear, if I take the studio uh, off my head, it'll detect that they're not on my ear and stop playing. Uh, some other features they'll have equalizers, all these uh, adaptive equalizer that changes the sound automatically depending on variables such as your ear shape. Um, but there won't be like a, a standard adjustable EQ like previous devices. Like for instance, I have a pair of those Sony wireless headphones and I can go into the Sony app and set the equalizer to, you know, the traditional presets like rock and jazz and hip hop and dance and whatever, you know, or I can custom my own equalizer from the from this story. They won't have a user adjustable EQ. It'll just be all, you know, uh, Apple's magic that they do to be able to adjust the sound according to their specs that they assume that all the Apple people will love because it's Apple, so on and so forth. So those are some of just additional features. So do you think that the lack of the EQ um, functionality, that that takes it out of being um, competition with, you know, a Sony or a Bose? Um, the article alludes to that, but since you already have, um, I think you said you have the Bose or the Sony? Can't, no, it's canceling. I have the Sony. The Sony. Do you think yeah. that that would be something that would take it out of being a direct competitor of, say, a Sony or a Bose if it doesn't have that feature? No, because I have the AirPods Pro as well, and they don't have equalizers, and I use those more than anything else, right? Mm -hmm. So as long as the sound is good, as long as it does the job as far as noise canceling, and as long, like I said... <laughs> As long as it sounds good, mm -hmm. you know, and it lives up to that Apple hype, you know, with the branding, with the design, you know, with the whole spiel as far as the Apple product, it, it, they'll compare them. Nice. All right. So that's rumor number two. Let's head back to rumor number three um, for iPhone. Um, so it looks like... Um, I guess you can start talking, Terrence, because I just opened the link. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And it doesn't. So basically, um, you know, with the starting with the, I want to say the iPhone 10 
and on up they've had the wireless charging to where you can place it on you know some of these key wireless charging banks or docks and it'll automatically start charging your devices well it looks like the latest iphone 12 is coming out with a magnetic charger that does two things according to this rumor one it'll make it quickly locate those magnetic coils on a magnetic charging or wireless charging pad that you won't have to move your iPhone around until you find the actual charge core coil to indicate that your device is charging. You just set it down and then the magnetic fields will actually connect it and that'll enable you to charge. And then the second feature is it'll have a strong enough magnetic coil to where I can buy a an accessory like a car dock and I can actually magnetically attach or affix my iPhone 12 to this magnetic uh, dock for like a car or for a desk and it'll stay in place. The way people do it now is you have to buy a case and you have to put a very thin magnetic plate in the, in the um, case and then you put your iPhone in the case and then the case is what connects to a car dock or a desk dock. Well, with this new iPhone 12 with the magnetic coil built in, you won't have to buy a separate iPhone case that has this piece of metal that's magnetic. You'll be able to take your phone as is, put it on this car dock, for example, and it'll automatically attach itself. In addition to charge, it won't move around, you know, so you can, you know, not have to use a magnetic uh, a case, which adds to the heft or the the, the, the girth. <laughs> or or have to add, um, you know, like the little magnetic sticker on the back of your phone right. to get it to exactly. stick to the charger. Huh, that's exactly. Funny. So that's the rumor. Uh, you know, they've got some pictures of yep, some sure manu- manufacturing, yeah, your manufacturing parts that have this magnetic coil. So this looks like to be a rumor, but it's pretty substantiated based on some of these pictures. Yeah, some of the schematics and drawings it looks pretty official but i guess we'll have to wait and see maybe on october october 13th if 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 that's the the actual day of course um we talked earlier that it's rumored that there will be an apple announcement for the iphone 12 and allegedly the iphone 12 only on october 13th don't tell them Oh. I'll say, don't tell them. Oh, okay. You got to be a member of Patreon Oops. in order to get this exclusive content. Of course, you can get it on the internet by just surfing, <laughs> googling it. <laughs> but if you want to hear us talk, you want to hear us talk about it. You got to become a Patreon, and then you get all the access to the exclusive stuff that we already talked about. That you good catch. So I don't leak any <laughs> privileged information. So yes, <laughs> thank you for catching that. But you can just. But you can just Google and find out. Yeah, it's it's widely it's widely available. But you won't get our brilliant insights um, as 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 to that uh, content and what we think and and our our summations. All right. Um, The last thing we have for the lowdown. Um, Everybody has been um, playing around with the new iOS fourteen. One of the biggest. things out of iOS 14 is the fact that you can customize um, your home screen. And I've seen so many dope, you know, home screens. I've screenshot a couple. 
um, because I want to make my home screen pretty too. Um, so I will talk about it a little bit more in the lowdown, but it's bringing the fact that you can customize your home screen. A lot of people are talking about it's, it's bringing back reminiscence of the MySpace days where you got to customize and personalize your page with icons and sparkles and graphics and music. And, and, and you can similarly do that with the new, um, the iPhone, um, the iOS 14. Um, it's built in, um, widgets is already built into iOS, but there are also some other apps that you can add additional widgets to and customize. Um, we'll talk about a little bit more, like right. I said, in the hookup. But some of the things that people have done with these widgets, uh, I'm sure I'm showing them on the screen. Um, you can do some pretty dope stuff, you know, with this with this home screen. You can do the work yourself, or someone else can do it for you, and you can buy it. But I just wanted to show some of the ways that people have. Um, have customized their home screens and they are pretty, um, you know, this first one, um, I don't know what this is supposed to be, but it's like horror-ish. It's like blood red. The background is black and all the text is like blood red. Um, somebody. Yeah, if, you, if, you're colorblind, if you're colorblind, you wouldn't want to stay away from that one. <laughs> right. Um, somebody has their set up um, like a Windows 95. Um, that's pretty neat. Mm -hmm. um, that's pretty cool. Um, someone has theirs looking like Animal Crossing, an Animal Crossing theme. Um, something, oh, that's nice. Yeah, the Animal Crossing one is, is pretty cool. Um, then, of course, when I saw this particular one, I thought of you, Terrence, the, the all black uh, home Real screen. Buddy. I was like, that's definitely up your alley. Um, I would pay for it. Um, I don't have the time. Well, let me not say I don't have the time. I have just enough interest to do it myself if it's built in. Yeah. I don't have the time if I have to go to separate apps yeah. or download separate things and connect separate stuff. Then I may just be one of those people to where if you've already done the work and you're offering this with a small fee or a charge or whatever, I'm pretty sure somebody has already taken we'll like, talk about that like, in the lowdown yeah. because i have some options for you exactly <laughs> right so i'm probably one of those people to where i'll customize it only to a certain point and mm -hmm. you've got to do some extra work i may just outsource that right because i was like i i started like looking into it i'm like oh my god this is a lot of work and some people may want to do that and in the hookup we have that option for you and if you're like can somebody just do it? And I just add it. We got that for you as well. But um, I just think right. it's just it's just very creative. And folks have gotten really creative with the way that they've set up their home screens. And everybody's posting there. So there's an anime one on here as well. So we'll have the link in the show notes. So you can kind of go through and look at some of the different ones that people have uh, created. So I just thought that was pretty fun. And it, it gives a new look to iOS 14 um, that, you know, and I think we've talked about it before, people want to be able to customize their devices, um, you know, to to their preference. And so I think with iOS 14 and, and this new home screen customization, it gives people that. So it sounds like someone over at Apple may have been listening to some of the conversations that have been had um, in the whole Twitter and the whole tech ecosystem all together. So that was pretty dope. 
All right, so I believe that is it for the loadout. So let's head over to Second Strength where we talk all things other tech. So we have quite a few things to talk about this week in the lowdown. So first we will start off with something that I found that I thought was uh, pretty neat and um, something that we've talked about um, before as it relates to um, security. So um, 1Password, they now will allow you to create virtual credit cards. So um, similar to you know some of the password generation that we've talked about and people protecting their 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 uh, their systems and having these complex passwords and scrambling or encrypting your your credit card numbers or your 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 personal information. So um, uh, Pat, one password, which is a password manager. Um, they've partnered with uh, another company, privacy.com. And what it does is, like I said, it gives users the option to have uh, a virtual credit card where they can pay for, you know, online items, subscriptions. Um, so similar to um, uh, your, if you have the um, Apple wallet um, where you get the, the when you do Apple Pay, you have this card that's linked to your bank account, but it's not actually your bank account number. So um, I'm assuming that anybody can use this, whether you're on um, an iPhone or an Android. But I just think it's just a, a great way for people to have that additional level of security where you are now able to to buy things and 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 surf the web and and use a credit card linked to your account but not your actual credit card information that gives you an extra level of security when you're out there on these internet streets purchasing and and buying um different things and so one of the examples that they give in the article um they're talking about for for netflix um so you can use your virtual credit card on your um, Netflix um, subscription. So you don't actually have to put in your real credit card. You can use this virtual credit card for um, not just one, only one-time purchases, but um, recurring subscriptions as well. So um, I just thought that was pretty neat. Um, when I saw it, I was like, oh, this is a this is a brilliant idea for, for folks to have this option. So just wanted to, to pass that along and bring that up. Um, it is a subscription service, so you do have to pay something to um, one password, but I think um, it's it's worth it. Doesn't I don't think the article, sorry for scrolling, gives you. I don't think it gives the actual amount. Um, but I think so. So so the reasons reason one of the reasons why I chose LastPass over One Password because One Password, if they've changed, correct me if I'm wrong, but you had to pay per device. So if you wanted one password on your phone, that was a charge. If you wanted one password on your laptop, that was a charge. If you wanted uh, one password on your iPad, that's another charge, right? And I think it was like $50 mm -hmm. a pop, right? Uh, at the time, that was expensive compared to like a LastPass, which is what I use now. Mm -hmm. um, at the time it was free, but then if you upgraded for it's the premium, premium. You, just, you just paid a one-time fee and you can use that on 
all the different devices, right? Now, fast forward to now, that 1Password has put out this feature that lets you create virtual credit cards for doing things like paying a Netflix subscription to where if Netflix ever gets hacked, the, the only track that they have back to me is this virtual credit card that I can just delete or get rid of. Or even if I don't, it's not connected directly to, there's no connection that a hacker can get to my account mm-hmm. through this virtual credit card. That's something that now makes 1Password very worth it because the problem with passwords, if you are using a complex password, you may be using that one complex password across all multiple places. Yes. The same thing with a credit card. If you're paying for the same credit card for your Netflix subscription, you're using the same credit card for, you know, your Comcast or whatever ISP you have. If you're using the same credit card for Hulu, use the same credit card for Apple or Android or whatever the case may be. If one of those gets hacked, now you've got a whole problem on your hands. The good thing about this one password thing is I'm making one virtual credit card for Netflix. I'm making a separate virtual credit card for Hulu. I'm making a separate one for Apple Pay or Cloud or Google Pay or whatever the case may be mm-hmm. to where now everything's separate. So if Apple or Google gets hacked, if Netflix gets hacked, if Hulu gets hacked, you can cut all those ties and it's not interconnected to other things. Right. That in and of itself is a super beneficial beneficial um, feature that may now make one password worth it right and it doesn't really say in the article um, what the pricing plan is that's definitely something if you're interested in this to go and check out to see if it is beneficial to you but it looks like they are running um, some promo deals where you can save 25% on the first year of 1Password and it looks like 1Password Business, 1Password Teams, and 1Password Families. So they may have changed it a little bit um, from when you first um, looked at it, Terrence, because if they have a family uh, plan, it sounds like you can have, you know, multiple multiple people on that one on on that one plan. So so yeah, so um, so yeah, I think this is uh, this is fantastic in this age of, of securing your data. And, you know, and everything and everything being online. Right. And everything being online, because I don't there's not very many things now that you do in quote analog. Pretty much everything that you do, you do it online. There's likely a a physical place that you can go for some of these things. But for the most part, everything is, is already online. And, you know, having the ability to separate you know, different streams of things that you use that all eventually goes back to one bank account. But in the grand scheme of things, it's separated. So if if your Netflix, get hacked, like you mentioned, if your Netflix get hacked and you have a Hulu with that same to connected to that same bank, you don't have to worry about any of your other subscription services or, or recurring payments being affected since they all have their own separate uh, link to to your bank account so i thought that was uh in in this age of of data breaches because they are numerous and they are continuing uh to happen i think this is a great way to to try and combat that so if you're interested um we'll put the link in the show notes definitely go over to one password and do your research and see if what um they're offering is beneficial um, to you financially and as far as your privacy. Yep. All 
right, so let's go and talk um, Google Meet. I saw this, I, I actually had meant to take it out once I saw some of the other things that we had on the docket, but since it's there, we can still talk about it. Um, Google Meet, um, so they are rolling out this new um, integration where it allows people who are collaborating to whiteboard, um, you know, whatever their ideas or whatever they have going on in in one conferencing session where you can have up to it looks like 49 people in a grid that's way too many people to have on something but i guess some people roll like that but that would seem like a lot but um so it's called jamboard oh, let me share so you can see it um and it's a like i said it's a digital whiteboard um, that allows, okay, there it is. That allows multiple people that are on the Google Meet to to share their ideas and and sketch out um, sketch out whatever is going on in their meeting. So I think Google Meet, yep, that's in the article. Google Meet is starting to roll out new features to try and compete with some of these other online collaboration tools. Of course, we know Zoom. We have Microsoft Teams. So I think this is just another feature that they are trying to roll out since it looks like, you know, we're going so, to be so in this we, for a while. So my question is, is this virtual or is this a physical whiteboard that links to uh, Google Meet and then other people can see it? Or is the whiteboard itself virtual and me on my laptop or me on my iPad or luckily if Jamboard has ability to use an Apple Pencil or a stylus, is this virtual where I'm just writing on my iPad, for example, that has a touch screen or I think there's some Google Chrome that have touch screens. I know Windows have touch screens. Is this virtual or is this a physical I think it's I think it's I think it's virtual because it looking at um, it doesn't give a whole lot of detail, but it says with Jamboard I'm reading from the article, it says Google Meet is now integrating with Jamboard to add a digital whiteboard for visual and collaborative brainstorming. Um, it looks like it's software. It just looks like it's a... So if, and if that's the case, if it is digital or just software, how user friendly it is to actually draw on it, you know, because I've seen people, I've been in white... Um, uh, meetings I've been I've seen webinars to where somebody is writing on a doc document where they're highlighting or circling mm -hmm. or putting an arrow to a specific point that they want to talk about it doesn't look that fluid right it looks kind of janky <laughs> for lack of a better term yeah it doesn't uh, really give a whole lot of yeah it doesn't really give a whole lot of context it, it, it says you can add sticky notes um right. oh here it is Google jam i guess is what the short version name of it is um it's the equivalent of a doc or slide with users able to create a new work or launch an existing one you can draw write annotate and annotate and add sticky notes to a page and it looks like, I'm I'm not sure if this is the actual, yeah, how this works in, yeah, I don't know. And I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I'd be, it's interesting. I'd be interested to see how flu fluid it is, or is it more hassle than it's really worth? 
because yeah. if I got to learn a new lingo, you know, just to do this whole Jamboard thing where they've got their whole separate functions and operations and how to use things, I might be less inclined to use it. But if it's just as simple as opening up this Jamboard and if I've got an iPad or a touchscreen with a stylus mm-hmm. and I can just easily just draw on the on the screen or the page or whatever the case may be and that show up in real time, then that's advantageous. But if I've got to, you know, create a new presentation, like think of think of like uh, how you create a slide in whether it be Google Docs, whether it be Apple's uh, uh, page. What is it? What is Apple's version of PowerPoint? What is it called? Keynote. Keynote. I couldn't think of the name of that. Yeah. Um, think about trying to create a presentation in Keynote or in PowerPoint or in Google Slides. How long that takes, right, to try to bring in an image and draw a straight line or circle mm-hmm. it. Now, imagine being under that type of pressure when you're in an actual meeting. With <laughs> up to 49 other people. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And they watching you trying to create this jam board with all these different functions. I'd just be like, forget it. So I'd be interested to see how fluid, how user friendly this would be when you're when you're in the hot seat in this actual meeting, right? <laughs> yeah, because I, I followed the the link um, to see if it gave any more context. And it looks like you click on like the three little buttons and it brings up these options mm-hmm. and there's an open a jam. Mm-hmm. It's like a, it's yeah. a pen. So it looks like you're opening up a separate integration. And they did say in the thing in the article that it is integrating with Jamboard. So it sounds like Jamboard is an existing uh, interface that you can pull in. So I would assume if you're using this Jamboard uh, or you're integrating it into your current system that you would already have some sort of knowledge. So. Well, we'll see. Well, I I clicked on another link (laughs) and it has uh, some hardware. So I don't, based on the article, uh-huh. it sounds like it was software that you could just click uh-huh. on. And now when I follow the breadcrumbs and opened up the other link that talks specifically about Jamboard, um, uh-huh. and it says the title of the, the article that I opened up from 9to5Google, Google's Jamboard is a $6,000 55-inch 4K touchscreen whiteboard designed for real-time collaboration. So and that makes sense. Yeah. Because on a big, giant, expensive screen, I can just take my finger and just draw stuff, which is a whole lot easier than trying to do it digitally, you know, without the ability to have that free form writing, because you really can't do that right now on tablets or computers, with the exception of like an iPad that has the Apple Pencil and maybe even like a Windows 10 machine that has touchscreen functionality. But it's nothing like the thing. Let's take it to football, right? You go to football and you see some of these analysts and mm-hmm. maybe in basketball and they're trying to, you know, analyze the play. Mm-hmm. They've got a dude in the corner on this big screen writing stuff or drawing circles around. He's pressing pause. He's pressing play on yeah. a specific play, circling. Right. You take that. Also flip it to politics. You know, we're in election season. You know, you go to CNN, you go to MSNBC, you go to all these different uh, news websites and they're doing like the election countdown. This this 
party has won Florida. This party's mm-hmm. won Michigan, and they've got the guy circling and doing stuff. This is the same concept, right? Yeah. But you need a big, you need a big, gigantic, expensive board that you can actually draw on for us viewers to actually see. And that makes more sense. It makes more sense, but how is this supposed to help when people are working from home? Well, there's one person that has this board. I don't think you can. Well, then how? But then, okay, so say if we have this set up, you have the whiteboard at your house and you're drawing on it. And I want to make an addition to whatever you're drawing. I can do that. I can just say, well, can you bring an arrow here and move over there? What's, I don't see what the advantages of having this expensive pieces of equipment unless everybody on your team has a $6,000 board and, you know, can, I don't know. And this sounds a bit more convoluted (laughs) and and less useful. This sounds like a lot of work to not, I, I don't think, I'm sure there are other ways with the current tools that we have to, to do this without having mm-hmm. to have a whole nother whiteboard. I mean, I worked for a company um, that did edtech, and one of the things that we did was we created interactive whiteboards and these things are huge, mm-hmm. um, but it was meant for the classroom so that the kids right. could actually go up and draw and write and do those types of things. But I don't think mm-hmm. it would translate well for collaboration, um, you know, unless it's, you know, a lecture hall and someone's watching. Yeah. And, and if you're in, say, a lecture hall and the professor's doing a lecture, they can take pictures or write, write it out and, and email it to everybody. But there's no two-way interaction. It's only essentially one right. way for the person who right. actually has the board. So, uh, right. I guess great for, for them in this but this sounds a lot more work than mm-hmm. well it, <laughs> it, it sounds like what i figured it sounds what i what i thought it would be now if it was interactive like that in digital then that's where the money is to where i don't have to buy an extra board i can use my current touchscreen device mm. if i have a windows 10 device i use the touchscreen on that mm. if i have an ipad i can use the ipad pencil I think some of the Chromebooks are uh, touchscreen. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. But then I can just be interactive and we that can all way. collaborate. That would right. probably be the better interact uh, inter- right. inter- interface than this other thing. And if anybody who uses this, you know, if, we're, if know. we have this wrong and we're thinking about it the wrong way, definitely let us know. Because I had, hadn't heard of Jamboard. Um, and... If someone is using this in a collaborative way and it's working out for them, definitely holler at us and let us know because what I'm surmising in what the article is saying, it seems like it's a lot of work and not a lot of um, return on the effort to me. All right. All right. <laughs> so that was supposed to be something quick that turned into a thing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so um, the next thing is more with Facebook. Um, so there is this new tool that is that allows um, users to see um, where Facebook is lingering around and tracking everywhere you go. So there is a new tool called Blacklight. Uh, I think that's a pretty neat name mm-hmm. because you can see mm-hmm. things in 
you know, the dark that you may not necessarily see in the light. So essentially what this app does, it reveals um, what different trackers are running in the background of a website that may be feeding data to Facebook. Um, and they, and the article mentions some trackers of Facebook Pixel, um, which they mention is um, particularly problematic. I've never heard of Facebook Pixel, but- um, so, so a quick breakdown is okay. if, if I am an advertiser on Facebook, um, I can, I don't know exactly how they do it, but you integrate this Facebook pixel into your ads or other websites where this Facebook pixel now enables Facebook to see not what you're doing specifically, but where you go on the internet, what, what websites you visit. It doesn't know who you are specifically, but it kind of sees where you're going, like websites you visit, things you click on, where on the web, like a, you think of like a, a heat map, mm-hmm. where you go, what you click on, what side of the screen, and that gives back valuable information back to Facebook. And then they can use that to entice more advertisers to buy in because they can kind of track where people are going outside of Facebook. So this whole Facebook pixel is that little cookie. Think of it like a website cookie, right? Mm-hmm. Once that's on your website, or once once you click on a website that has a Facebook pixel enacted, then it can kind of track where you go after that. Not you specifically, like Terrence Gaines, but the person that clicked that website and then it kind of follows around that way. Right, because it says that it tracks users and non-users even when you're not logged in via this Facebook pixel. Um, mm-hmm. That's quite scary. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all of the websites. That's so I'm probably we're probably on this wit with the we're we're on Mashable where we're reading this story. And I'm pretty sure Mashable has the Facebook pixel on its website mm-hmm. where now me and Nika are clicking on this story to read it. Mm-hmm. Since it's got the Facebook pixel, we click off and click someplace else. Now Mashable and our Facebook kind of knows where we're going. Then they can use that to better serve us ads all over the place, which is why you see you click an ad on one thing and it now follows you over to Facebook. Now it's over to Instagram. If you've seen that thing, this is what this pix- this Facebook pixel is doing. And the whole point of this website uh, called Backlight, you can actually go on there, put your information, and then it can kind of, it'll show you how these websites and Facebook are following you around. Yep. So essentially it reveals basically your, if you think of it in the cookie uh, example, Terrence game, it's following the, the cookie crumbs. Wherever you leave a little crumb, you bite a little cookie, it leaves some crumbs. It's it's following the crumbs that you mm-hmm. lead as you, as you move around your house. You know, you leave crumbs everywhere. So what this uh, backlight does is it follows the, the breadcrumbs um, and lets you know mm-hmm. who's been... Where they followed you to, so, so yeah, right. I, and, the, and the story, and the story also outlines. Now that you have this information, you can use a website like Facebook Container, that uh, is a Firefox extension that enables you to block Facebook trackers or non-Facebook sites. So if you if you're concerned about something like this, you probably want to start using Firefox, and mm-hmm. then you want to add this Facebook Container add-on to where you can stop being tracked around again. 
it's not that they're stealing your specific data, but if you don't like the idea of websites, Facebook, tracking your habits. places, yeah, right, tracking your habits to create a profile of you or an avatar, avatar, I think is the correct word that they use. They don't know who I am specifically, but they know the type of habits on the internet that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. They can use that to say, oh, well, he's interested in sports because he's clicked on this and that and the other. He's mm -hmm. interested in iPhones because he does this and another. Now you can, they can serve those same, that information to say, hey, this is the type of person you need to advertise to because they click on this, that, and the third. Yeah. So yeah, just another lovely thing that uh, Facebook's out here doing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. Um, next up, we have, and see when I was in that article, it's an open Porsche, a Porsche site and all. Um, Amazon Prime, so Prime Day. Um, it looks like it has been rescheduled and we don't know for sure, another rumor, um, that it will be um, kicking off on October 13th. Um, hmm, October 13th might be a very busy day for folks buying things. Wonder if that's a coincidence right. or not. Um, but um, Prime Day was um, delayed early this year, of course, COVID. Um, but uh, it looks like uh, some this website, we're reading an article, um, from MSN News via The Verge um, that there is an internal email uh, from Amazon that says that the event will start um, on October 13th. Um, apparently, what's today? It's, it's the 23rd. Uh, Amazon will share its plans on the 27th um, regarding uh, Prime Day. So if you are a, a Prime Day shopper, um, be on the lookout in the next week or so to get the announcement possibly of when um, the new Prime Day will be. But according to this article, the rumor is that it will be on October 15th. So just a little heads yeah, up. They pushed it. They pushed it back from July 15th and the 16th is when Prime Day normally happens. So mm -hmm. they pushed it, pushed it back a whole two months. Yeah. COVID. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, so um, apparently there may be an Apple announcement and it may be Prime Day <laughs> all well, uh, around the same time. But, but you ain't got to worry yeah. because none of the Apple stuff is ever on sale. That same day. Amazon Prime. No. Not the new stuff anyway. No, so. I'm just saying uh, money. If you're going to spend money right. on Apple stuff, then you're going to spend money on Prime stuff. So start to, as we talked about last week, start you know, bucketing out, you know, your money for, for what you want to buy because it looks like Prime Day and possibly um, a new iPhone 12 will be um, on or around the same time. So govern yourselves accordingly as it relates to what you plan to purchase. All right. The last thing that we have um, in second string is relating to Xbox. So Terrence, I'm going to let you take that one away. Yeah. So basically, you know, the Xbox series uh, has now gone on pre-order. So if you ordered a, if you wanted to get an Xbox Series X or an Xbox Series S, which is a less expensive one, good luck. Uh, word on the street is the pre-orders are already jammed up. They're already pushing back super late. 
But there were some people who got around that unknowingly accidentally <laughs> because uh, <laughs> reports on Amazon that purchases of the Xbox One X and the Xbox One S, people bought a bunch of those thinking that they were actually buying the Xbox Series X and the Xbox Series S, which are the brand new ones. So let me make it even more confusing for you. The old Xboxes were the Xbox One X and the Xbox One S. The newer ones are the Xbox Series X and the Xbox Series S. So say that four times fast. <laughs> you can see how people got confused, especially when the pre-orders started getting jammed up and people started doing other ways to try to get these pre-orders because you start on the Xbox website and then those get jammed up and then you may jump to Best Buy, you may jump to Walmart, you may jump to Amazon. And if you're not paying attention, you probably bought a last generation's <laughs> model because Microsoft made it super confusing between the old version and the new version. So <laughs> I just wanted to put that out there. If you're if you're looking for an Xbox Series X or S, make sure you're not buying an Xbox One Series X or a Series S. Which, as a parent trying to get something for the kids, thinking they're doing a cool thing, you give them this package, and they've got a lot of a four years ago model. You can you can see how this could be an issue, right? Wonk wonk <laughs> wonk. Don't be in such a rush that you right. purchase the wrong thing. Make sure you read all the fine print because you do not want right. to have to pick your face up off the floor when your kids look at you on Christmas morning and they're like, what is this? <laughs> right. I got two of these sitting over here already. You I already got one. one. But, but again, it's not the parents' fault. It's Microsoft's part. Who was in the room that said, hey, this is a good idea. Let's make the old version sound just like the new version outside of just one word, differentiate them. So, yeah, but I thought that was interesting. Yeah, so that's be careful. Funny. <laughs> be careful with, with what you're buying out there. All right, so that is it for Second String. We are going to head over to For the Culture. So... It was a fun show up until this yeah. point. <laughs> it was all great. We had laughs. We talked about some great tech. Um, the first thing that I wanted to talk about is um, that today around uh, about 1.15 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, um, the grand jury came back with a decision on the Breonna Taylor murder. Um, the headlines are no one was charged in the murder of Breonna Taylor. One officer was charged. Um, I think, uh, detective Hankison is his name. I believe right. he was charged with three counts of wanton endangerment. He was, right. he received those charges because the bullets that he fired went into uh -huh. the apartment next door to Brianna Taylor uh -huh. in which a man, uh -huh. a pregnant woman, and a child were in. So uh -huh. he was charged for wanton endangerment for essentially shooting the wall. Each of those um, charges carry a sentence between one 
and five years. It was determined that the murder of Breonna Taylor was justified because after the police knocked on her and her boyfriend's door in the middle of the night and didn't get a response and, and then entered into their home, they were shot at by a single bullet from Kenneth Walker, who is Breonna Taylor's boyfriend. So in return for his one shot, defending his home in the middle of the night from someone using a battering ram to enter mm -hmm. said home. Who didn't announce themselves. They said they did, but, and they have a witness who said they did, but again, lies. Um, and they returned 40 shots, I believe, to his mm -hmm. one defending himself. And the grand jury said that that was not excessive force. It was not murder. Um, they, all of their actions were justified because the police were shot at first. Again, they were shot at first because they used a battering ram in the middle of the night to execute a warrant for someone who they already had in custody. It wasn't even, it wasn't even Breonna Taylor. So it all sounds bad, but who is really surprised? I think it's sad and it's infuriating, but I mean, you knew it was coming yeah. with the $12 million settlement the week prior to with the lack of any sort of information for the months leading up to this. Mm -hmm. We knew it was coming, but it's just still, it still stings. In the face. Even, even if, even if on a, even if you could legally justify saying, and I was talking to my wife about this earlier, legally, legally, legally speaking, it's, it would been, it would have been hard to, uh, convict these officers for shooting and killing Breonna Taylor because as much as you hate to say it, it was an accident. But the problem is it's always an accident when it comes to black people. And in the time that this happened, there already had been all this racial unrest and there already been all this reckoning as it relates to unfairness and inequality. So in any other time, it wouldn't have been as bad. Uh, but when you add everything up, this is just another slap in the face. And to make matters worse, like Nika mentioned, the fact that one of the officers got charged for shooting at the wall when none of the officers got charged for actually shooting and killing a person, it's just it just adds insult to injury that they were able to find a charge, almost like a well, we'll give you a little bit. We'll of give you something. So we're going to charge us. We'll get we'll, we'll charge this guy for shooting at the wall or shooting around around. He got charged for shooting around Breonna Taylor when nobody got charged for actually shooting at and killing Breonna Taylor. It's just right. another slap in the face. And it's just yeah. it, it as as upset and infuriating and to piggyback on all the stuff that's going on. Who, we, who, who did not see this coming, yeah. right? I, I, I was not shocked by the end result, but it still stung. It still enraged me. And um, the fact that no one is taking responsibility for the murder of this woman. 
And what I still can't wrap my head around is of those 40 some odd bullets that were shot, she was hit six times. Her boyfriend was not hit a single time. I just, I, I just don't, I just don't understand. And when the AG, um, Daniel Cameron made his statement, Uh um, that was an even bigger slap in the face um, because it was more, he is a prosecutor. So he is going to prosecute these three charges um, against Detective Hankerson, former Detective Hankerson. Um, It sounded to me that he was putting on a defense for the two police officers, I think Miles Cosgrove and Brett Mattingly, um, he was putting on a defense for them to say, well, yes, they shot and killed her, but they were shot at first. And when people were asking questions around the racial makeup of the grand jury, he wouldn't answer it. He wouldn't answer any questions when they asked, were these murder charges, manslaughter charges, were these presented to the grand jury? His response kept being, it's a secret hearing. We don't want to give up too much information because it is an ongoing um, investigation. And he kept talking about how proud he was of the team behind him. If you look at the team behind him, the team was all white. Um, And someone asked, one of the reporters asked the question related to you know, the, the makeup of the team racially, his response was, I'm black and I represent the whole department. I just, I'm just baffled by the fact well, that someone who is black, I'm not baffled because I know who he is in the middle of all this. He did go to the right, Republican National right. Convention and speak and he spoke of you know, this being bipartisan and all oh, this is all about, you know, justice. But at the same time, during the middle of this, you went to an obviously racist, xenophobic, homophobic, all the isms. And you spoke at this obviously partisan um, convention. I just and then he had some fake tears and, you know, I, I it was just. I was exasperated and I was just, honestly, I was enraged because no one is going to take responsibility for the murder of this black woman who was doing nothing in her home but sleeping, probably after working a long day because she was an essential worker. She was an EMT. So I don't know about you, but if someone is knocking on my door in the middle of the night, one, I'm probably not going to hear it because I'm asleep. And two, if I do hear it, I'm not answering the door. I'm not expecting anyone to come into my house. And what this whole indictment, this whole process has shown me is there's no way that no one can say that black lives matter because they have proven that black lives don't matter. What they've also proven is the fact that you, this whole stand your ground stuff, it's out the window. You're not able right. to protect yourself or your home or your family members if the police come to your house. 
If you defend yourself, if you think someone is breaking into your home and you shoot them and it's the police, you, like Kenneth Walker, get arrested and charged with shooting a police officer. You are the one who gets arrested. Breonna Taylor, an EMT who knows how to handle a gunshot wound, she was laying there knowing exactly what to do to heal herself and, and possibly not die but not being able to do it because they denied her medical attention for what, six minutes? She laid mm -hmm. there dying and they didn't even have the common decency to call emergency services because they knew they messed up. They knew what they did yep. was wrong and they were covering themselves. And now all of a sudden there's this mystery witness who was upstairs who said, oh yeah, I heard them announce themselves after as the police after um, the New York Times, I haven't read it, but a friend of mine was telling about it. The New York Times did a fantastic article and showed how sloppy this whole thing was. They interviewed, right. you know, I think 13 or so people. No one heard that them, that they announced that they were the police. Again, this was a no-knock warrant. So if this is a no-knock warrant, why would you knock? Why wouldn't you just go in? It's just, it's just so many lies. And I think they just wanted to give Breonna Taylor's family, I think her mother's name is Tamika Palmer, this money and say, take this money. You're rich now. Go away. We're not going to do anything. Be happy with these crumbs that we've given you. And it's just, it's infuriating. Yep. So the question is, what do we do about it, right? You know, there are a lot of people who say, you know, vote no matter. There's a lot of people who only wait to vote in, in the presidential election. Uh, a instance like this you can make a clear path between who we vote for mm -hmm. as far as judges, mm -hmm. you know, because judges get to appoint certain people, mm -hmm. you know, we can't, we, we can't, we can't ignore the totality of the, we can't, we can't ignore things that are affecting us simply because we don't think our vote matters. We don't think that it's as important because we've got this big election coming up, you know, for the presidential election. But this is a specific incident. This is a specific case to where the president, you know, or any sort of Supreme Court justices or any sort of federal attorney general, all that doesn't matter in this specific case. So now we have to put, I don't, it's not fair to put the onus on the oppressed to make any sort of changes, but this should, at the very least, wake up a lot of people or have a lot of people recognize this is the game. Mm -hmm. There's no two bones about it. The system is not set up the way it should be set up for people like us to mm -hmm. uh, to 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 have some sort of society, so regular uh, living as it relates to the general population. Yeah. And that's the, the game. Yeah. That's we know the game, the game now. So, so, so what are we, what are we going to do about it? You know, what, what is the next move? That was the same kind of way I was leaning towards earlier in the conversation where we were talking about the, the Emmys that was on exclusive comment, uh, content that you got to be a Patreon member to see. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, now we know the game. Mm -hmm. What do we do? You know, no longer, in my opinion, no longer we can sit around and wait around and say, oh, this is messed up and no longer. Same thing with we're going to get into it a little bit later about Wells Fargo. Now we know the game. What are we going to do about it? Right. And it doesn't help when you have people like Ice Cube tweeting which party is going to come and 
for the black male black vote, male vote. Male vote because right. I think he felt a kind of way because there are plenty of articles and plenty of people reporting the fact that black women vote more than any other than other any other uh, demographic. So he specifically wanted to call out for black male. This is not the time to to have this whole conversation of um you know who's going to earn our vote. I get it. Everybody has a vote. You can decide to do with it whatever you please. But don't come when the people are talking about, you know, the election starts. No, the election's already started. We already have early voting. So we are in the election. The election ends on November 3rd. But starting last week, I believe, early voting started in some states. So you have people coming with these type of comments this late in the game. And I don't give a flying flip who you are, but if you are saying that Joe Biden is not who you want to vote for. I don't want to vote for this man, but you know what I'm doing? I'm gonna take myself in there and vote because I know that four more years of where we are is is not it. And that four more years or how many of the how many every years under Joe Biden will be significantly better for the black community. It's already bad for us. You can't even be asleep in your own home and be safe. So it's already bad. It's already bad. So do you want it to continue to be bad or, you know, improve? It may not, it's not going to improve. It's not going to do a complete 180 because nothing ever does. But the key is it's not just that we're voting for the president. We are voting for senators. If we can flip the Senate, that can put, regardless of who's in the White House, we've already seen how what Mitch McConnell did when President Obama was in his last term. If you have, you know, people in office who have just basic, I mean, just basic common decency, that's already miles ahead of, of where we are. So it's not just that we are voting for the president of the United States. We are voting for local leadership. We are voting, voting for local representation. We are voting for local DAs and judges and representatives. It's not just voting for president. Right. We are voting for referendums. We It's a lot being voted for right now mm -hmm. and it's not just for the president that's the biggest thing that's the sexiest thing that's the thing that gets the biggest you know views turnout. turnout but as you can see with this whole daniel cameron deal he is an elected official he was just elected right. in 2019 he hasn't even been right. in office a full year his term doesn't expire until 2024 so yep. Voting in these presidential elections, the local elections are just as important, if not more, than the, the top billing because these local elections drive your everyday life. They have so much impact on you just living your everyday life. So the fact that people are talking about who's gonna earn my vote, what the black agenda or whatever the case may be, it's not just the president that we're voting for. 
we're voting for so much more. Yep. This is a clear example of why. You have to vote. And I have voted in every single election since I turned 18. I don't, it, I've gone to the, to the voting booth when there was only one thing on the ballot for some referendum, because I know, um, my grandma, she turned 87 yesterday. She has worked at our polling precinct for decades. She still goes and works at the polling precinct. You know, it's just built into the DNA of, of my family and the way I was raised. And just knowing that not so many years ago in the 50s and 60s, that people who looked like Terrence and I were denied systematically the right to vote, who were killed, who were beaten, who were jailed, who had dogs sicked on them, who had water hoses sicked on them, so that they could have the right to vote. And then you have people who are saying, well, I'm not voting because it doesn't really make a difference. Even if you thought that it didn't make a difference, it is your obligation to still go and let your voice be heard. And we've already seen, I've seen the graphic of, you know, I think like in they, I'm, I'm probably not gonna get the numbers exactly correct, but like in Michigan, they said, for instance, Donald Trump won by 22,000 votes. And then they'd say 100,000 black people didn't vote. Your vote counts. Stacey Abrams lost by less than 100,000 votes. I think it was like 77,000 votes or something like that. Uh-huh. Every single vote counts. Even the one. These, the, the last elections that we've had, um, 2016, um, the one that we just had, um, 2018, these people are being elected by very narrow margins. So, I mean, yep. I don't know how depend, else they, to say it. You they, have to vote. The, 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 system, the system depends on people not being involved in the yep. system. Now we know the game. Now we know the system. The question is, what we're going to do about it? Vote. Show up. Let your voice be heard. Do your census form because that's important as well. That's how you get money for your local areas. They count people to see how much money to allocate to different municipalities. It's 100,000 people in a city, only 50,000 people fill out the census form, you're only getting resources based on those 50,000 people. That's that's just the way it works. So as much as you may not like the system, you're against it, you want to say that, you know, Kamala is a cop, Kamala is a cop, or Kamala is pandering by wearing Chucks or wearing Tim's. I mean... <laughs> Which, Folks. which, <laughs> she is a black a, woman who went to Howard. As a, which, as a, but as a funny aside, she had on Timberland shoes. She did not have on Tim's. So that's just a comedic aside. And if you're black, you know the difference between Tim's and Timberlands. Yeah. And Timberlands. There's <laughs> right. a difference. There is definitely a difference. But um, yeah, <laughs> so I, you got to vote people. I mean, there's a lot of talk about vote shaming and nobody's trying to shame you. You're just, you're expected to do your civic duty. And if you don't, don't be out here complaining. 
keep these complaints to yourself if you don't want to be a part of, of the solution. Even when we are a part of the solution and things don't go our way, you're still participating in the process. And that's... I don't mind complaining. I don't mind complaining. Just participate. No, I'm talking about for the people who don't vote, who want to complain. That's just my opinion. If, If you're not going to... If you're not going to be an active participant in these outcomes, then when you go to complain about police brutality or if, you know, you don't, you got potholes, you know, in your street, you got to get some new tires because these Atlanta potholes just tore up your car. Your front end is all ripped up. Those things come as a part of participating in the democratic process, but you know, no justice for black lives is, is the message. And in order to start to get some level of justice, we all have to participate um, in this process. And with that, I'll get off my soapbox on that. Anything else from you on that, Terrence? Nope. All right, so let's hop onto another soapbox. The CEO of Wells Fargo um, made some statements back in June, I believe. Um, and his quote is, while it may sound like an excuse, the unfortunate reality is that there is a very limited pool of black talent to recruit from. And this is from the CEO, Charles Scarf. I don't know how to say his last name, I'm assuming. Um, that's the, the message that he communicated to um, the employees um, of Wells Fargo. There is not enough black talent to hire well, for these again, jobs. Again, like I mentioned before, now we know the game. The system is set up for uh, in order for black folks to be hired in some of these higher end positions. You know, we got to be twice as good because I guarantee you there are some mediocre or super regular under just barely performing just enough to keep their job sitting in some of these high end positions. Mm-hmm. And but when it comes to hiring black talent, all of a sudden there has to be these super perfect, you know, uh, ideal overperforming super rock stars. They call right, right. Just to get the same positions. There are some mediocre people sitting in right now. Mm-hmm. Again, now, you know, the game, you know, the question is, what do we do about it? Even yeah. specifically in this case, you know, Wells Fargo is a major mortgage company. Mm-hmm. They are a major bank. Mm-hmm. You know, with all of the things going on in the recent news about racial equality, about buy black, about support black businesses, you know, how do we respond to something like this? Do we just get upset? Do we just say shame on you? Do we just say, now you know you can go to any HBCU or black college in this country and you'll find the cream of the crop of the people that you claim to be looking for. But, you know, um, we could say all that. Mm-hmm. You know, but again, now we know the game. Mm-hmm. What do we do about it? Since mm-hmm. we know Wells Fargo is a bank, since we know Wells Fargo has participated in courting 
black money Mm -hmm. when they were dishing out predatory loans Mm -hmm. to black folks. We Mm -hmm. know they know how to find black folks when it comes to that. Yep. We know they know how to find black folks. We know that they know how to make up black folks when it comes to creating bank accounts and actually, you know, falsifying information to collect more money. They can make up black people then. Mm-hmm. But now all of a sudden they can't find this black talent. Where are they at? Alive. Oh my God, we right. don't have but enough a, people. But again, but again, it's not just Wells Fargo. It's a lot of these technology companies that have said the same sentiment. Mm-hmm. It's so hard to find black talent. The reality is- You gotta be looking, looking for, for black, black talent. talent. But again, we know that now. We know the game. We know that they're really not looking for black people. They just want us to show up and they just want us to be the best. So they can say, oh, yeah, that's right. I have a black. Right. We know the game. So the question is, what do we do with it? Do we start to move our money out of Wells Fargo? Do we start to support more of these black owned banks because they are out here and they are visible? You know, of course, they may not have the same features as Wells Fargo. They may not have all the ritzy commercials they may not have all the football and influencer sponsorships that wells fargo has but that is is that because they don't have the support and if we gave them the support Mm -hmm. would they be able to compete Mm -hmm. against the wells fargo we only find out if now we recognize the game and we decide to do something different right again not to, to belabor the point anymore that goes back to my original point it's like do we beat down the doors of Wells Fargo and say, hey, recognize us, recognize us, recognize us. Or do we do something different? Yeah. Because we know the game now. We know they're not looking for us. So why should we beg them to say, look at me, when there may be some other options over here that we need to invest in more or look at or look at or consider as a legitimate alternative when we know the game? Yeah. It, um, this is just me personally. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to get tired of our need to want to be recognized so much so when clearly, I mean, these are just two clear examples of the game is not set up for us, mm-hmm. right? So do we break down the doors and demand this equality and demand this you you hire us or you we demand that you not kill us you know or do we or you know i don't know the answer i wish i knew the answer i don't know the alternative and it's not an easy answer it's not black and white Mm -mm. i know it's a bunch of gray you know but again that's where i'm at right now you know i'm upset at brianna taylor i'm upset at this wells fargo comment you know, I get upset when all of these black actors and actresses aren't recognized at the Emmys and the Oscars and all. I, you know, but now it's like you see the you see the pattern, you see the routine, you see what's going on. We know the game. Now what? And a select few succeeding is not going. It's it's not enough anymore. Before right. it used to be, oh well, we have one who did this, or we have two who did this, or we have the first in twenty twenty. We should not still be having first blacks to do X, Y, and Z, our first, right. you know, Latino doing X, Y, Z, our first, you know, immigrant. We should be having first, you know, 20, what, over 2,000 years in. We, we, we shouldn't be in this alleged progressive advanced society. We should not still be having first. 
it should not be a record to have seven black people win at an award show when over and over when over a hundred you know people are are, are when there are over a hundred winners. That's not a good ratio. And as it relates to this Wells Fargo situation, black women are the most educated population in this country. And you mean to tell me that there's no black talent? There's, um, I don't know if you follow on Twitter, um, there was um, this thing called Black Black Tech Twitter Pipeline that started as a hashtag. It's now a full-blown website. You know, drop your resumes in there. They're linking people. His, they this, know they're out there. They, they know that. The, it's, it's lazy. And it's lazy and it's easier for them to say that there's no talent for them rather than them actually going. And, and it's not that it's hard not to find us. It's not that hard to find us. It's not, it's not lazy. It's deliberate. There's a difference between ignorance and, and, and deliberate. They're deliberately not looking. Yeah. So again, you know, what do we do? Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think it, like you said, we don't know the answer. It's a complex answer. And, you know, I think you have to start where you are. I know Wells Fargo was my primary bank. My mortgage, my car, mm-hmm. my savings accounts, my retire. I have retirement accounts there. My primary checking is there. You know, everything is there. But at the same time, I have two credit union accounts. Um, when we, when we, the whole buy black movement, I moved over, I created, um, an account with, um, what is it? One United. Um, Mm -hmm. I have a local credit union, um, that's specific to Georgia. So for me, Mm -hmm. it's to start moving stuff out of there. That's, that's where I know I, it's not a huge thing, but it's something, you know, somewhere to start. You know, start moving savings accounts out of there. You know, change and my direct deposit. Have my direct deposit go mm-hmm. to, you know, say... Someplace what, else. You know, One United or, or I think that's the name of the bank. Um, you know, I, I created the account and, and funded it, you know, because I was like, oh, they... This is a thing. Let's start to move money there. And there have been other companies. Um, I, I know we talked about it um, a while back. It's what company... Is it Netflix um, who is pouring in money into black banks, I believe? Black-owned banks. Uh So, you know, Uh it's the wills have started churning. But as black people, I mean, of course, it's great for other races to to participate. But at the core of this, because it affects black people the most, if we have to start making strides, Again, you know, you start working where you are. We, I can't solve, you know, world hunger by myself, but I can start to help here in Atlanta by going and volunteering at a food bank. You know, mm-hmm. it's small drops of rain that makes a puddle. A puddle just doesn't appear. So it right. takes, you know, work and engagement and buy-in from us as individuals to collectively make a change and we have to we have to start doing that because we've seen time and time again that the same thing is happening over and over and over and they know exactly what they're doing 
and mm-hmm. it's 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 intentional. It's intentional. It's not an accident. Nope. This is not an accident. This mm-hmm. is by design. The system that we always talk about the system. The system is working the way it was designed to work. Yep. This is the way they meant for it to work. And, um, you know, we have to do our part to, you know, to start to to turn the tide. And it it's not going to be easy. John Lewis died fighting this battle. He started when he was a teenager, a young person. And he was still fighting it up to his death in his 80s. So that goes to show that this isn't, you know, an easy fix. And it, and it's not a trend. It's something that is going to take systematic. This is a system. It's systematic racism. So it's going to have to be systematic change to reverse, you know, these blatant racist and you know divisive tactics that were created to do exactly what they're doing. Yep. So, so yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, with that, we'll leave it there. Everybody already knows and, uh, and is aware of, of what's going on. And, you know, we have to, we have to do better. And unfortunately, the oppressed shouldn't have to remediate these issues but we know the people who are benefiting from it, they aren't going to lift a finger because they're benefiting from it. It's working and it's helping them. They are the direct beneficiaries. A lot of people are like, oh, well, I, my family didn't own slaves or I didn't do this, but you're the benefit of it. You benefit directly from it. All right. That is it. Um, on for the culture this week let's head on over to the hookup um as mentioned earlier in the happier part of the show we talked about um the the home screen with ios how you can configure it um and make it the aesthetic that you so desire so the hookup this week is on creating um a home screen in iOS 14. So I'll include it um, in the show notes. There is a tutorial if you want to go through the effort and um, and do it yourself, that's an option. The YouTube video um, is about 11 minutes long and, um, and she walks you step-by-step um, on how to create this home screen, how to pick your backgrounds, how to create shortcuts, because the the create the creating of this home screen involves you know shortcuts, you know widgets, mm-hmm. widgets that are built in already natively to iOS, but there are also some other apps, uh, WidgetSmith and Color Widget seem to be two of the more popular widget apps that you can get in the App Store. Um, in the tutorial video, she talks about those as well. And for those who are like, ah, oh, this sounds great. I want my home screen to look dope, but I don't have the time for that. Um, I We will include the link in the show notes for a pre-made 
Let's see if it will load. And this is just one option that I found. And maybe I copied it over from Twitter wrong. No, it's loading. Um, but I'm sure if you go on the interwebs, you can most certainly find um, people who offer um, different pre-made home screens. Um, this is just one that I saw um, in the thread because there is a thread on Twitter about creating a home screen where people just give tips. And then this lovely young lady dropped her link where she has pre-made um, home screens that you can choose from and, and icons that you can use. Um, they aren't expensive at all, about 20 bucks. She has different types of, um, of views that you can choose from that already has the icons and the background pre-made for you. So all you would need to do is just to group them in the um, manner so desired. So that's pretty much um, what you can do. There are a couple of options. YouTube video that shows you how to do it yourself. We have some pre-made um, templates that you can use, that you can purchase and use. And we also um, will include the link um, that showed you some examples of what other people are doing if you need some ideas on how to set up your home screen. So that is the hookup for this week. Sounds good. Yep, yep. All right. Is did you have anything else for this week? Nope. All right. Then with that being said, show went kind of long this week, which I think is good because we talked about a lot of good content. But definitely download, rate, and review us. We are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. You can also engage with us on social media. We are at SnobWestCast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can also watch us on YouTube at SnobWestCast. Be sure to link and subscribe to our channel um, because all of our sh our episodes, the full, the the non-pre-show content the non-patreon content is on the youtube um on our youtube site and for our patrons you have all the links to the pre-show content so you can go and get all of the good stuff there on our youtube channel you can also feel free to leave us comments and suggestions on our website which is snobwestcast.com you can also shoot us over an email we're at snobwestcast at gmail.com and again if you want access to pre-show content live show taping and access to our discord chat you can become a patron from for five dollars a month and we're at patreon.com slash snobwestcast and with that we will bid you adieu for this week Bye, everybody. Peace.